Hello everyone and welcome to season six, episode three of What's in the Pod, hosted by me, Ben Gravia. On today's episode, I'm joined by my dad to discuss the 2008 movie, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I have risen the podfather out of his couch, out of his slumber. We've brought him back and we're discussing, in my opinion, one of the most um, underrated comedies, I think, of this comedy boom that we've talked about many of times in the pod from about 2000 to now. Forgetting Star Marshall, no one talks about, at least in my friend group. I think my dad's friend group, that's kind of a big thing for them. So I'm really excited to hear his take on the movie, my take on the movie, and uh, yeah, it's a good episode. Enjoy. I've got a surprise for you. Cue the music. Dad, welcome back to the pod. It's been, I don't know, a while. Yeah, it has been a while. I don't even remember what was the last. So we did, we've done Ferris Bueller, School of Rock, I think Days and Confused with Mickey. Oh, Days and Confused with Mickey, right. That was a good one. That was the last time we've been together. Yeah. Although, did we do Days and Confused before School of Rock? No, you're right. I After, think it was yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to actually have some... Experienced veterans on the pod who actually know what they're talking about instead of you young bucks with your jibber-jabber and kind of bullshit like that. Still angry that you uh, claim that David Fincher is more important to you than, than John Hughes. But to, to, to defend my claim, I'm not like, I just totally forgot about John Hughes in that moment. And yeah. then uh, I put it out there. And then you had enraged messaged my Instagram account, which Mickey also has access to. And he's like, dude, I think your dad's really mad at you. <laughs> I, was, I was like, like oh. Yeah. No, that's, it's true, though, right? Like, we always think of people who are more, like, art artists, right? Making right. serious movies. And then all of a sudden, you're like, you see John Hughes and people go, well, no, not really. And then you list off, like, 12 movies he made. And then they go, oh, oh yeah, right, yeah. It's probably a good idea. Spielberg was a good one, though. Yeah, no, Spielberg, I, as you know, I did not say anything about Spielberg, because Spielberg is a correct answer. I saw someone tweet that Spielberg has maybe made the five most famous American movies of all time. Oh, interesting. So what? So Jaws. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Schindler's List. Yeah. Uh, he's not Star Wars. What was the other one that they brought up? Um, camera. So yeah, Jaws, Indiana yeah. Jones... And Schindler's List, and there's two other ones okay. that I'm that I'm forgetting that he that some guy brought up into this whole case yeah. on Twitter. I mean, his movies lately haven't been as I mean they've been fine. They just haven't been as amazing. But I mean, he did he did Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. He did Minority Report, which I think is a hugely underrated movie. Yep. Um. But yeah, I'm trying to th I'm trying to find it here on. Uh... Well, Close Encounters, E.T. would be the other one. E.T. E.T.'s probably one uh, of them, right? Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Um, oh, yeah, so here's... here's I found it. So he put um, Jaws, Close Encounters, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Schindler's List, and the BFG. Oh, the BFG. Yeah, I wouldn't say those are the five most famous American movies of all time. Like, the BFG's not... No one goes what about the story of the BFG brought into... Sure, but that's... He's British. The author's British. Yeah. Roald Dahl's British, so you kind of lose that. But no, I definitely think he would be up there in terms of... Yeah, because they're popular movies too, right? Like, they're, they're summer blockbusters. They're feel-good movies. Yeah, except for Schindler's List. Well, yeah. Uh, turns out it's not that funny. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think... You know who uh, I noticed? Uh, I don't know why. I was looking at Rob Reiner... Mm -hmm. uh, Carl Reiner's son, Rob Reiner from, um, so he had like a legendary, cause he was in All in the Family as an actor, yeah. like one of the most famous TV shows of all time, celebrated. He's the son of Carl Reiner, obviously a legendary man in his own right. But then like his first five movies, I think are, so there's one in between that's not the best, but it's like, is it Splash, Stand By Me? Like, Sleepless in Seattle, A Few Good Men, and something else. Like, his first five movies are just, like... Ridiculous. He could have just retired right... And he doesn't actually do a lot of movies anymore, like, directing. 
But like your first five movies, you're just like, oh, <laughs> dude, you could have just stopped right there. Yeah. Uh, let me look it up here on the thing. Because uh, it's, it's crazy. There's one movie that I, even I don't even know. I'm like, I don't even remember that movie being made. But uh, Oh, Spinal Tap. Spinal, Spinal Tap, Tap is literally his first movie, which is yeah. insane. Uh, yeah, Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. And then a movie called The Sure Thing, which I don't know. Okay, so Spinal Tap, Stand By Me. Princess Bride, uh, right? Yeah. When Harry Met Sally, yeah. <laughs> Misery, and then a few good men. Like that's ridiculous. Did you say Sleepless in Seattle in that run yet? Or that's no, like uh, he's in it. I don't think he directed yeah. it because that's Nora Ephron, right? Yeah. So I got it confused because he's in it. He's Disney Hanks' buddy in the yeah. movie, right? Yeah. So he didn't direct it, but still, like that's I got that confused with when yeah. Harry Met Sally, but that's ridiculous. Yeah, and then even like North, which wasn't a great movie. American President, which is a very underrated movie, also written by Sorkin, which kind of is an early thing. It's like right before West Wing, and yeah. he kind of did this. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I mean it's not his stuff. More recently, isn't isn't the best, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to start off your career. Anyways, yeah, yeah. all right, forgetting Star Marshall. Yeah, <laughs> segue <laughs> to. <laughs> Completely so, different movie. Uh, I'm going to give the basic background of the movie, and then we'll get into the questions, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall was released on April 18th, 2008. Peter takes a trip to Hawaii in order to deal with a recent breakup with his TV star girlfriend, Sarah. Little does he know, Sarah's traveling to the same resort as her ex, and she brings her new boyfriend. Uh, written by Jason Siegel, directed by Nicholas Stoller, starring Jason Siegel, Kristen Bell, Mila Kunis, Russell Brand, Paul Rudd, Bill Hader, Jack McBriar, Liz Tchaikovsky, and Jonah Hill. It cost $30 million to make and made $105.8 million at the box office. So I'm going to start with this question for you because I know you saw this in theaters. Yes. What was that like? Uh, delightful. So uh, again, if you've listened to other podcasts, uh, my general movie-going experience... Uh, while you were young, anyways, was my wife, Vanessa, my best friend, Nate, and my sister, Erin. Like, the four of us would kind of go to movies all the time. Now it's you and the rest of us. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. We were very excited. It was another, like, Apatow comedy. It looked hilarious. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Like, just... I mean, I, you know kind of had that written down is to talk about like it's delightful it's like super funny but it's just a really nice warm story yeah. too like it's a classic rom-com kind mm-hmm. of makes you feel good at the same yeah. time like hangover it's just laughs like right. hangover is just straight up comedy you're just laughing there's not really a more like really <laughs> the whole story like uh, the buddy acts as a MacGuffin, which is basically like this. I like I don't know if you, the MacGuffin is they're just chasing after this character. The whole R, he's R two D two. They're looking yeah. for fucking R two D two, but there's nothing else redeeming about the movie. They find him and it ends like that's it. Yeah. Whereas with like something like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, there's an actual like it's comedy, but there's actual things about breakups and relationships and getting over relationships and. Uh, so yeah, it was just a very pleasurable experience. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think we maybe saw it another time in the theater, but if not, I've seen it any number of times. For me, it's... We always, when we talk about... So we've done a bunch of comedies um, on this pod with like other guests, and what we talk about is like... I always talk about Bridesmaids, is that Bridesmaids to me is um, like a bunch of like SNL skits kind of like put in a row. Yeah. Hangover can be sort of like talked yeah. about like that, but Forgetting Sarah Marshall, like you said, is like this actual story. Yeah. And I think I, I read this thing where Apatow told Siegel, if you want to be a movie star, yeah. you have to write a movie for you. Yeah. And then you star in the movie. Yeah. So that you, because you're not getting, because I think he had done Freaks and Geeks. Um, Undeclared. Nothing I, crazy. No, I think, uh, when did How I Met Your Mother start? Yeah. That would be the other one, right? So two thousand. So we've been on, but that's a TV star transitioning to Hollywood, right? right. So we've been on How I Met Your Mother since two thousand and five. Uh, he was, of course, yeah. So yeah, no, yeah, um, yeah. It actually has a full three acts, right? It's yep. a little bit a traditional story, right? Yep. It's like breakup, 
meet the new girl, old girl wants to get back together yeah. with you, you screw up, old girl, new girl is mad at you, and you have to <laughs> beg forgiveness, but at the end, it all turns out, yeah. right? So it's a little bit traditional, but uh, it doesn't feel that way. Like, when you're watching the movie, you don't really feel, I don't know, it, it just has a different flavor to it, and that's probably because it's R-rated and just has that old seagull touch to it, too, so um, it's a little weird, you know, like... Think about how weird Jonah Hill really is. Yeah, Russell Brand. Russell Brand is really, really weird. Breyer. They're all weird. Yeah, like all of it. Paul Rudd, like they're weird dudes, right? <laughs> like, and they play it up for comedy, but um, it's enough of a distraction that you just kind of buy along with the story. And yeah, anyway, so yeah. Yeah, like I think your comment about the chibi transition to Hollywood, I feel like back then was way harder yes. and way bigger. Like now it's. People go back and forth on Netflix and all that stuff, but back then it was like, "Oh, dude, this is a big jump." Now it's the other way. I mean, it's, it was always when I was growing up, it was there a TV star and a movie star were two different things, right? So if you're Michael J. Fox and you're the biggest star on TV, it doesn't mean shit. Like yeah. you don't translate. You have to find your way to get over, right? Mm-hmm. So whereas now, especially with cable network and all the quality of these shows. Now, it don't, like the movie stars are like, no, I want to do TV because those types of movies aren't being made, so they can. You know, and I've heard you know big movie stars talk about it. They like the fact that, well, a these movies aren't being made in Hollywood. They're not making like a, I don't know, uh, White Lotus, like you know something right. like that or whatever. But at the same time, it's also because they get to play. Like it's like oh, instead of just doing a two-hour movie, I get to be with this character for two or three seasons, and there's mm-hmm. an actual full story arc. Yeah, um, it's not just all compressed into a movie, and so. Yeah, it's very different. But even, yeah, mid-2000s, like, that's still, you're not, Netflix really isn't a thing and the rest really aren't. You've got HBO, yeah, um, which is doing, like, The Sopranos and The Wire and stuff like that. You've got maybe West Wing on television, a couple other shows. But, yeah, to make it over, you know, think about the Friends. How many Friends stars are... Basically Aniston. That's it. And it, even her, it took her a long time. She was yeah. just doing little bit things and supporting stuff. And now... She, I, I, you know, I don't even know, but now, like, if she could carry a movie, like, she's still with other people yeah. in a movie, right? Well, I guess if if you count, like, uh, Brad Pitt yeah. is in Friends. And yeah, but he was up. a star, right? Yeah. That was the thing. That was, that was, like, a big deal back then. It was like, oh, my God, these movie stars <laughs> are showing up on Friends. Like, why is Robin Williams or Brad Pitt <laughs> or, or whoever, right? Even Paul Rudd. I mean, he had done movies, but he wasn't a big star when he was on, yeah. on Friends. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so... For so I I touched touched on it at the start like in my intro, um, you know as you say we've had a bunch of young bucks on this pod yeah so why do you think that Forgetting Sarah Marshall isn't quite as famous with my kind of twenties between twenty twenty eight range because it really isn't like when I talk about you guys like Forgetting Sarah Marshall let's watch it everyone's yeah. kind of like yeah like I've seen it I feel like I don't have to see it again. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe because of what I just talked about, that it isn't as, like, raw and rough and just straight comedy, like, that it has a little bit of a romantic story, and so it kind of gets lost. You also have to remember, like, the overwhelming amount of movies from that time to choose from. Like, if you're looking at, and you talked about it in your intro, and you guys have talked about it before, but, like, we're looking at, like, a peak comedy run (laughs) during that time, right? So you've got two different crews of comedy. You've got the frat pack... Mm-hmm. Which is Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, Jack Black, Will Ferrell, Vince Vaughn, kind of movies directed by Todd Phillips or Adam McKay or Ben Stiller. So you got Meet the Parents, Zoolander, Tenenbaums, Old School, Elf, Starsky and Hutch, Life Aquatic, Dodgeball, Anchorman, Wedding Crashers, Kicking and Screaming, Talladega Nights, like Blades of Glory, Walk Hard, Semi Pro, Step Brothers, Tropic Thunder. Those are all within eight years from 2000 to 2008. Wow. And, that's, <laughs> and then you've got the Apatow crew. So you got Franco. Rogan, Hill, Siegel, Baruchel, Martin Starr, Paul Rudd and Steve, Steve Carell kind of cross over with both. But you got Freaks and Geeks, Undeclared, so those are the TV shows. And then you mm-hmm. get 40 Year Old Virgin, Knocked Up, mm-hmm. Super Bad, Pineal Express, I Love You Man, and Get Into the Greek, right? And so, like, I'm sure if you look at that list, most people are going to take. You know, they're going to take Old School, they're going to take Wedding Crashers, they're going to take Talladega Nights, they're going to take 40-Year-Old Virgin, they're going to take Step Brothers, Super Bad. Um, And I didn't even mention in here one of our favorites, which is, uh, what's the Paul Rudd with uh, Sean, 
William Scott. Oh, uh, role models. Role models. Yeah, great. so great. So no one talks about that movie either. <laughs> so you know, I, I guess that's it. Makes sense to get a little lost in that. And and Seagull was also kind of like the third or fourth player in the Apatow crew, right? So yep. Franco was kind of always was always kind of like the main straight mm-hmm. guy. Then Rogan and Hill are, started out beneath them, and then now are much bigger stars. Yeah. Right. So then Seagull and Bruchel and like Martin Starr were always kind of like the bit players. Yep. So um, I can see why that would get lost because it, you know, there's only been a brief period of time, and it was kind of after this movie where Seagull was like suddenly not an A-lister, but you know, like like could get his own movies yep. after that, right? And now we're back to the point where he can't right yeah. like he's which is his own choice he's kind of stepped away from doing stuff but yeah. uh certainly not the trajectory of some of those other movie stars so it makes sense for me it's this movie i i wrote one of this one of these things down is i think it's actually aged way better than a lot of those movies yeah. that you like yeah like old school wedding crashers some of those movies it's like yeah maybe we if we did that now like for example like you know the the brother in Wedding Crashers. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, that you, guy's. You couldn't do that. No, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, this movie isn't. It doesn't make me like cringe as much as some of those other movies do. Which you know, again, I think probably goes back to it being a romantic comedy and having and having some heart to it too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just a very different tone of movie compared to some of those other ones, which are full throttle party movies. Really, <laughs> yeah. you know, like they're just yeah. So this is a great show on a date movie. Oh yeah, where I wouldn't show like I don't know some of those movies on a first date. Yeah, so. I mean, I you know I'd written down in my notes like I think this is one of the best breakup movies ever. I actually think it's a better if you've so for me my top three breakup movies are Swingers, obviously, mm-hmm. The Dow of Steve with Lana Doug, which is an independent movie that most people your age, well, most people my age hadn't even seen, but I love it. Uh, and then this, they're like great breakup movies to kind of like show you like, you're not alone. Like some of the stuff that happens in here, like, or happens in swingers, like, Oh, you, you know, <laughs> I'm older now and I'm married and I've been in the relationship for a long time. But like when, when you see them in your mid twenties or you're going through a heartbreak and you're just like, Oh my God, this is exactly what it's like, right? Like him. Swingers is hard to watch sometimes. Yeah. Well, swingers is cringeworthy. Like that phone scene and that oh. I still can't watch when I, I watch swingers, a lot, but even now I still will skip that scene where he keeps calling and leaving the messages yeah. on the phone, right? And it's played for cringe, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, think about him forgetting Sarah Marshall, the crying scene or whatever, where he, <laughs> she calls and he's like claiming that someone else is suffering. Yeah. Like, it's played for laughs, but you could play that for extreme discomfort. Yeah. Or like when Hader shows up to delete the photos off, like, they play all of that for comedy, but like, We've all been in that situation mm-hmm. where you're just trying to get your ex out of your head and yeah. you're like, do I delete my fucking photos? What if we get I, back together? What if I get back together? Or maybe I'll just have a fond memory in the future. Like all these, and they're just, we, they're rationalizations for coping and not accepting that your relationship is over, right? So, but they're played for laughs, whereas like that could be very <laughs> cringeworthy yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. So. And I think, again, that comes back to Siegel's sort of personality, just kind of like, even the way he's, he's kind of goofy, right? He's mm-hmm. kind of got that soft, tender heart, and just even some of the ways, like, he kind of makes faces at characters and stuff like that. Like He's a six-foot-five gummy bear. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's no surprise to me that, like, he ended up making the Muppet movie, like, bringing yeah. the Muppets back, because it's, like, that's kind of his personality. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like... This is Jason Segel, like mm-hmm. playing the, the the piano and doing this like weird puppet <laughs> Muppet musical and yeah. stuff. Like, this is really what he wanted yeah. to do, and he ended up being able to do the Muppets, yeah. right? Like, so yeah, yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to bring up before we get the categories? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure the stuff will come up. Some of the things, you know, like you would ask, how does it remain relevant? Um, no, I think it'll. No, we'll get into it. Uh, actually, one thing I wanted to to say, everyone talks about Freaks and Geeks. Um, it's sort of like the lost TV show of my generation, the Gen X generation, mm-hmm. which sort of represents all of us growing up as kids. It's one season. There's the Apatow and stuff, but no one ever talks about the next show, which is Undeclared, which is um, 
Equally brilliant, in my opinion. It was on for one year. It was on Fox. So Apatow finished that, and then they ended up doing this. So it's got... Uh, Jay Baruchel is actually the lead character in it. Uh, but Siegel's in it. Joan, uh, Seth Rogen's one of the guys. Uh, what's his name from... Uh, who's the blonde guy from Sons of Anarchy? Oh, uh, and, uh, yeah, him. I know exactly... Uh, King, everyone, everyone will know who it is. King Arthur or whatever. Yeah. So he's in it. Uh, he yeah, he's <laughs> one of the main characters. It's weird to see him like all of a sudden because he disappeared forever after doing Undeclared. I didn't see him at all. Uh, but yeah, um, but like there's weird like Will Ferrell makes an appearance. Adam Sandler is in one of the episodes. Hmm. Uh, Charlie Hunman. That's Charlie Hunman. Yeah, Hunman. That's yeah. He's like just one of the buddies. In the show, I highly recommend trying to find that if you can. I have the DVDs because I'm old school, um, but if people can find that, I highly recommend just doing that. So yeah. All right, uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll uh, hit the categories. All right, we're back with the categories. Category one, Mount Rushmore, where we give our top four scenes, and then uh, we try to debate, try to figure out which one's number one. Um, I feel like I have four, but I, I generally feel like if you had a completely different four, I would be... It's funny, because I actually only have two written down here, which is so funny. Okay. I don't know why, because... Uh, but I think it's just because it's so consistently good, but I have two that, like, I actually started... As you were talking, I was chuckling to myself, but, like, just looking at my notes, I'm so... I, it just makes me laugh so much. <laughs> Um, you so the first one I have yeah. is the first scene. Yeah. It's like right off the top of the movie. Um, it's, I would say it's from the top of the movie to Sarah, so Chris and Bell getting there. Yeah. When he's, uh, I love, he's like, uh, this is so great. He's on the phone and she's like, you can't hear what she's saying. He's like, mm-hmm. Salad. <laughs> and he's like, eating the Fruit Loops. Just, I don't know, watching TV or he's just yeah. eating Fruit Loops out of that massive bowl. <laughs> so great. And then, yeah, I guess she gets there, and that's pretty good, too. He does, I got a surprise for you, yeah. and the music's playing. It's, it's like a great, it's a really great meet the main character scene. Here's the problem. Yeah, exactly. You know right away what's going to happen, but they do it in a funny way. You get to see his dick, which, of course, is a big deal, because you still don't see a lot of male nudity. But, like, like what I love about that was, like, <laughs> where she's, like, put some clothes on. He's like, no, because if I put some clothes on, it's over. <laughs> It's so ridiculous, but that is exactly the kind of st stupid stuff that people say during breakups. That's like, you look back on it and you would go, why the hell did I refuse to get my thing on? But it's true, right? It's like if he leaves and goes to put some clothes on and come back, the conversation has shifted. Like right. everything's different, right? But it's just so ridiculous because he's sitting there and she's like... Oh my God, like you're just, your wiener's hanging out when we're <laughs> trying to have this thing. I can't even imagine how many takes they must have they must have done to yeah. to not die laughing. Yeah. But. Uh, and then the next one I have is when he, this is, he's like following Sarah for the, when he first gets to why he's following her and he's yeah. on the phone with, with uh, Hater. Yeah. And you can hear Hater like, don't do it! You're an idiot! Just like yelling. <laughs> this is like the first time you get the real sense of Hater, like a genius outside of Saturday Live. Right? Yeah. So like, even at this time, he's still early on in his career at SNL and he's known for doing like really weird old movie star impersonations that like yeah. nobody but Lauren Michaels really appreciates <laughs> or like old people like us, right? Like he's doing like Vincent Price and like all these other weird He guys. used to always do, uh, what's that really old actor and he does it, oh, what's it? he has that really nasally voice. I don't know. He's done so many. Uh, he does it all the time. Anyways, uh, the next one I have is the Surf Lessons. Yes. With Paul Rudd. You know, it's like uh, when life gives you lemons. Yeah. So Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> um, the last one I have is just like, I think the really the last scene. So we jump right to the end. Yeah. The last scene where um, Mila Kunis comes back and, and meets up with Siegel at the end. It's like kind of a nice bow to the story, even though you know the whole time this is how it's going to end. Yeah. But you're just like, oh, yeah. And I actually wasn't convinced at the end, actually. Like, when they split up and go back their own kind of way, I kind of wondered if it was going to be... Which, is, I mean, this movie's a lot um, older than, like... 
than La La Land, but I did wonder if it was going to be one of those things like, spoiler alert, if you, if you haven't seen La La Land... I don't care. Okay. Uh, but at, were they kind of to see each other lately and they've mm -hmm. moved on with their lives? Like, I felt like that could have been an acceptable end to the movie because really they weren't even that... To, they weren't together that long. Like, would they spend like a week together? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In Hawaii? Right? But no, it was perfect. And then, of course, they tie it all up together by him being naked again, yeah, which yeah. is a, a great end to that joke. So. Uh, the actor I was referring to about uh, Hater was yeah. he does the Alan Alda impression. Oh, uh, oh Alan, yeah. He's yeah. not that old. Oh, my God. Now you're. I thought you were talking like. Now you're making me feel Alan very... Alda's like 90 years old. But when I grew up, Alan Alda was the star. I watched MASH, dude. Oh. I thought you were talking like golden age Hollywood no, like no. guy from the 30s yeah. and you're like no it's a dude from the late 70s and 80s I'm like oh wow well, I feel old yeah um, what, but, do you have any other scenes that I didn't bring up yeah so my favorite conversation my favorite is the one where uh, Bill Hader shows up it's the one where they're deleting the photos and all that but when they have this, the conversation in front of the of the the fridge Yep. And he's talking about how she got him the container that keeps the freshest cereal. Yeah. Uh, because, as you know, I am, A, a fan of Fruit Loops, but I also love cereal. And I had a container like that to keep the cereal fresh. So it was like, I'm like, it's a joke. I'm like, am I the only person? It's like a joke written for you. Like, you feel like, yeah. am I the only person in the world who gets this? But then he starts talking about... Uh, so Bill Hader kind of says, like, oh, we, you know, we like Sarah, but she's kind of a bitch or whatever. And then, like, he replies, well, your wife's whatever. Like, it's like a total tantrum. Like, and he's like, I will cut you. I will cut you. You're not even blood. <laughs> well, you're not even blood. He is the father or mother of my child. I will cut you or whatever. It's just. And then they calm down. Like, that just is amazing. And then the other scene, which again is Hater and him, which is the pearl necklace, the shrug and the smile, yeah. where he's like talking to the wife about like she's, it's supposed to just be Hater and him talking, but Hater is uh, very much into his relationship with his wife that she's a part of everything. So she's like listing and he figures it out and then he's like, oh, that's a nice, is that a pearl necklace? And she's like, oh, and then it's like, oh, whatever. Um, yeah, that would be the other one that I, I quite like. For me, I think the very first scene is my favorite, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I know, that's me. Like, I got a surprise for you is still... Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's probably in our, you know, a favorite quote, yeah. right? So. Yeah. Uh, let's go to category two. Let's... Okay, yeah. What still works? Um... I got a couple things written down. Okay. Like, we already touched on Seagull's screenplay. I don't yeah. really need to go about that. But I think the musical yeah. aspect to this movie is really nice. I like it. I would watch that. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. that's how I felt. I'm like, this isn't... Like, so there's that, and then, like... Um, so both... Like, the things that are, like, meta and within the thing work. So mm. Inside of You <laughs> is, Sad, a, yeah. is a good song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the musical... I'm like, I would watch this weird Van Helsing. Like, it's clever. <laughs> like, I wouldn't watch it on TV, but if it was, like, if someone, if I would have been in that crowd, like, if you did a, a musical, like, a play like that, uh -huh. it's good. Like, yeah. I'm like, this is actually weirdly interesting, mm -hmm. right? So, um, yeah, like, the thing that I really like, too, is the flashback scenes. Yep. One of the things that they developed through this movie is as it goes along, you kind of get a sense that of him coming to the realization that Sarah's not terrible, but she's not as good as he thought she was. Right. Right. So you have these things sort of like getting a better understanding of like forcing him to, you know, like the, the shirt wearing, right. Russell Brand doesn't wear the, the shirt. Right. Whereas Peter does. So Sarah kind of realizing like, Oh, Peter's not as bad as I thought he was. Like he does stuff, or he just stands there and holds my purse and does and mm -hmm. doesn't care that I'm the celebrity and like all of these things, right? So there's this kind of thing where they both are. She's realizing that she screwed up, and he's realizing like, woo, yeah, good riddance. Yeah, um, which is I think very cleverly done, right? Instead of the, a lot of other movies might have a scene where like they get in a big fight. Or, like, the friend does it. Like, it would be extrapolated some other way. Where but they the, touch it throughout the yeah, movie. Yeah, and just... Just a little bit. Right? Like, they're 30 seconds. Like, they're mm. not even that long. It's just, yeah. it's perfect. Um, we talked about this on the 21 Jump Street pod, like, a couple weeks ago. But for me, what makes a good comedy great is the minor bit characters. Yes. And how much of an impact they can have in yeah. 
don't know, between five and ten minutes of yeah. screen time. So like we talked about Twenty Jump Street, like uh, the teacher in Twenty One Jump Street, uh, Nick Offerman, Johnny Depp, like all the all these people we talked about you know, a couple weeks ago. You can <laughs> go back to that pod. But this one too is McBriar, McBriar, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Um, Bill Hader, obviously. Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill, the Deval McDonald, like Dwayne the bartender, yeah, like Dwayne the, the bartender, like that, some of that stuff. Like I love Dwayne. I think I have it somewhere down. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like those people that can kind of carry those extra little few minutes of filler, like and you and you recognize their face, like oh, that's a big actor, yeah, or a bigish actor. It's not yeah. just someone random. Yeah, exactly. Right. And they're doing this because they love to make movies and make comedies not for a paycheck sort of thing yeah right and that's the beautiful thing about Apatow and even like those other, like they're ensemble casts right yeah. so these people work together you know it's the same thing with Wes Anderson or Sorkin mm-hmm. or even like uh, Scorsese they have these people that they go back to and their their language their shorthand is so good that they can just work together right yep. so um, and probably with Apatow like we know he likes to shoot like they they improvise a lot right yep. so we know that's being able to have people there that you can do that with is probably really good too. Um, Hawaii, beautiful. beautiful. It's a character in and of itself, yeah. right? Like really, like the best movies have cities as characters. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, really, they don't. They're mostly on the hotel. They leave a little bit when they go to the beach party, and then when they go jump off the cliffs. But yeah, you're just like, oh, I need to be there. Mm-hmm. fast but it also gives you the pace thing right which is a really important thing right for the two of them coming from Hollywood and the expectation of like we have to do everything you have to be a star and blah 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 and then Peter gets to go back and be in Hawaii or and meet a character who's kind of living that full on life right yeah. she, and, and but hers also gets dangerous too right mm-hmm. like you know she hasn't gone back to school she hasn't done all of that stuff that she actually wanted to do so she has to sort of separate herself because it's like this paradise where you it, it's Hotel California. You can check in anytime yeah. you like, but you're never leaving, man. Yep. Um, so yeah, no, it's a it's a peaceful and like peacefully seductive character. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, and the last thing I have is we haven't talked about her at all, but I feel Mila Kunis is really, really good in this movie. Fantastic. And she doesn't do much. I feel I thought, you know, I wish I was like my age in 2008 so I could like think about these things but if I would go back I would have seen this movie and obviously she had been famous like yeah. everyone knew who she was but I thought that would have really like you're an A++ lister yeah I she mean she didn't really go no I mean that's the thing though right like so one of the things that I had written down about this movie is it turned Siegel and Brand because no one like on this side of the country knew who Russell Brand was <laughs> like oh, the like in your England they would have but we had no idea so it turned them into stars but it also proved that Kunis and, and, and Bell could do movies right because even me, when I was like, I was like, ugh, Mila Kunis, the girl from the 70s show? Like, I don't think she could be good. And Kristen Bell had done Veronica Mars, but it was like, can she? Can they do movies? And they were both excellent, right? Yeah. So and it's funny, because now they've done a few together. But uh, um, yeah, it was like that first indication of like, oh, okay. So like when then all of a sudden when Ted comes along or these other yeah. movies, you're not like, Mila Kunis? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, she did Ted. Yeah. yeah. Now you're like, oh, no, she's actually a legit... You know, she's not Meg Ryan or Julia Roberts, but yeah. she can definitely be like a good, a solid lead in a movie, right? Like a, a romantic comedy. Kristen Bell is arguably voiced like the greatest princess well, ever. Well, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, exactly, right? Um, also, um, category three, uh, cringe moments. I, I don't think I like two. I don't have any, so. For me, it's, I actually hate Sarah's character. Yeah. Chris, like, I think yeah. she's just a total bitch. Yeah. And she just treats Peter. And obviously you're supposed to, it's from his perspective, so you're supposed to feel that way. And yeah. that's how I'm supposed to feel. I'm not supposed yeah. to be like, man, Peter's the worst. Let's yeah. make this movie about her. But yeah. I do feel like she's really, it's tough to watch sometimes. Yeah. You know, the last one I have is uh, that scene in the, It it's cringe, but like it has to be in there. It's it's good cringe because it's that uncomfortable swingers vibe. But you know when, uh, when they go on that, Peter thinks it's a date, but... Rachel doesn't think it's a date, and he goes to kiss her goodnight. Yeah. And she kind of, like, leans, and she's like, you're kind of like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Been, people have been there. Like, it, <laughs> people have been there, but yeah. it's and it's supposed to make you feel exactly how you and I just kind of, yeah. like, shriveled a bit, but yeah. still kind of hard. I mean, she kinda, she, do, she does dig him, though, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take very long for them to, to get together. But, yeah. yeah, it's also, it's one of those ones where it's like, oh, I've been there. <laughs> right? Like, oh, no, you're in the friend zone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, again, you can check in, but you can never leave. Yeah. Um, 
The only thing that I'll say about Sarah, the one thing, there's the one scene where she talks about how hard it was to get him off the couch and she went to counseling and she did all of that. It's like the one thing where you're, and I don't think she's lying. Like it's the one thing where I think where she was like, no, I, I tried really hard to save this relationship. You were just in your own depression, insecurity mm-hmm. and all of that. Because otherwise, yeah, like one of the cringe moments for me is like her not getting his musical. Right? Like, she just doesn't get the fact. She's like, I just don't get it. And it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, you're not meant to be together, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but, the, yeah, it's it's one of those ones where it's like, as you get older, you kind of understand how, oh, I mean, I, I'm just saying this anyways, right? Like, most relationships, are, there's not a question of good or evil. It's just people who aren't meant for each other. Right. right. When you're younger and you're in a relationship and you break up, you're like, oh, that girl was the worst. She was terrible. Or that guy was the worst. He was a dick. He treated me like definitely there are real instances of that yeah but lots of times it's just like oh but then they go on to meet somebody else and everybody they're together with somebody for years and you're like what the hell but it's like some people they're just not just meant not be. meant to be it's just yeah. and the older you get you kind of are like no that wasn't a bad person like that just was someone we weren't meant for each other right yeah. and that's kind of the vibe you get right like is it really that bad that she doesn't get like she's genuinely trying mm-hmm is it really that bad that she doesn't understand her music, his musical, or is it just like, oh, you're just not really meant for each yeah. other, right? Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's go to category four. Who is the most dateable character and why? I have two nominees. Um, I have one because it's Peter because he because he's me, <laughs> and I'm I'm extremely dateable. Yeah. <laughs> the other one I wanted to like. What about Rachel? I think Rachel is a really yeah. really good person. Uh. Yeah, very nice, very kind person. Yeah, you just don't get a lot of time with her, so it's kind of hard for me. I mean, that's the thing, right? You only get time with her with Peter. With Peter, right? That's the thing. It's it's a very, like you said, everything is through his perspective, and it doesn't really, like, everyone has time to do their things, but it's they're all subservient to his story, to his narrative, right? right? They right. don't really get their own life outside yes. of sort of him. Um so yeah, it would be interesting to sort of see how that went. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess Russell Brand does because he gets a whole new movie out of it. But yeah, get into the grief. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, I think it's Peter too, but I just wanted to bring up Rachel, but probably Peter. I guess we get to know about him the most. You see his yeah, his flaws too. But yeah, like, but I think Rachel's like a very nice, kind person. Like, she's very chill, which that appeals to me as someone like I want someone who's like. Uh, what we would call low maintenance, right? Like she seems very low maintenance. <laughs> yeah. Like her, her ego is not tied up with being with him. She is her own person. Yeah. She doesn't need to be with him to be complete or whatever, right? Like, and you think about that compared to like Hater and his wife, mm. where there's they're tied at the hip. And it's not necessarily bad. I don't know if there's a neat thing, but you know there are those couples yeah. where you're like, do you two ever just like, <laughs> like can you do things alone? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Whereas, like with Rachel, she would be like, I would just she, I could just like, well, you kind of get it, right? Yeah. Where she, like Peter, she's like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Go do whatever the hell yeah. you want. Like, yeah, I trust you. Like, if we can't have trust, we can't have anything, right? Yeah. So, I find that as extremely appealing as a person, whether it's guy or girl, someone who is confident in their own self and is like, no, we we can be together, but also be separate individuals at the right. same time. Yeah. So, uh, let's go to category five. What's up with that? Will we talk about any plot holes or any questions we have about the movie? I have one, two, four questions. Oh, okay. I didn't. I was like, I couldn't really find any plot holes. But you're always better at the, this. It's than not me. more of plot holes. Yeah, yeah, it is actually. Okay. Okay. So first question I have is: Is this movie supposed to attract me to all this snow? Is he's not. What's man not that good looking? No, but there are certain people who are like the rock star. I don't think Pete Davidson's that good looking either. And lots of people do. He's funny. Yeah, he's funny, and he's got that, yeah, and same thing, all the snow is probably, it's the rock star vibe, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, he's a millionaire person. Like, yeah. There are a ton of rock stars like him that are married to very hot, attractive women, mm-hmm. and you're like, but he's not attractive. Like, And you can tell because all the snow is the character that would still dress like that when he's 60. You know the rock stars that you <laughs> see, like... Like Mick Jagger. Yeah, yeah. Or Mick... Uh, well, no, Mick's not like that, but like Motley Crue or whatever. Mm-hmm. They still got like their hair teased out or whatever. And you're like, dude, dude, put on a suit and tie <laughs> and get your hair short, right? Like, 
Go the David Bowie route, right? Like, yeah. go from being, like, the rock star to being, like, oh, I'm going to wear the suit and tie guy or Brian Ferry or some of these other people, right? Like, as you age, age into, like, a distinguished bluesman who dresses yeah. now dresses nice or whatever. Aldous Snow is definitely the guy that would still have, like, teased out <laughs> hair, no shirt with a little bit of a, a pot belly and, like, still, hair everywhere. still trying to put on, like, those damn, uh, those damn pants. So, yeah. yeah. Um, the next one I have is... So we know that Peter's job is a, uh, I don't know, he like writes music for TV shows. Yeah. But you you know that he is having a hard time leaving the couch, and so he's having a hard time probably working. Yeah. He also gets fired from the Billy Baldwin show yeah. with, uh, with uh, I can't remember, what does the guy say? He's like, yo, dude, I got tickets to the Almond Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> How does he make money? I Why is not cheap? No. Uh, I imagine that writing scores for TV shows is probably quite lucrative, and they live together. She's a huge star. Yeah. So it's probably just making more money than we realize, right? But, uh, yeah, I don't know the intimacies of the Hollywood thing, but... They live together? Don't they live together? I get. I guess so. I mean, like she shows up there. It feels like more that she was going... She left her house to go to his pad, oh. but if they were together for that long... But she was coming back from out of town, right? Didn't she come yeah. back from out of town? Yeah. She was, they were on the phone and she was flying uh-huh. back or whatever? Yeah. Or had just gotten back? Uh-huh. I don't know. That's a good question. Because you do think... You're right. If I think about... That's a man cave if I've ever seen yeah. it. And not really big for a Hollywood star. So maybe he did just live in there himself, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question, too. Yeah. How much does somebody make just doing a score for one show? Especially mm-hmm. if he's just doing, like... Well, he's uh, he's under. He does the Seinfeld. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. I love. The, Come on, man! I got all my brothers. Tickets. It's just like such a great line. Um, so, uh, Rudd and Siegel are just this hanging out in the water while he's teaching them to surf. Like this is the ocean, dude. This isn't like the my backyard pool. If you don't know how to surf in the ocean, yeah, at the start, well, you're gonna like dr- like they're just sitting there. Yeah, I mean, it could be just the the time of day for tide and all of that, right? But it does like if they're in a good surfing spot. But yeah, beaches are a lot like a lot like that. There are there are gentle parts mm-hmm. of a beach that you could find, especially during the tide, like if it's early in the morning or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and the last one I have is the cliff jumping scene. To me, is like that just isn't like you would die. You think so? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I did. He jumps, yeah. Obviously down, but he jumps down and out because yeah. he has to go from the rock. Yeah, to get away from the cliff. To get away right? from the cliff. You do. I mean, someone jumped it. They do jump it in the movie, so yeah. but maybe it's a different spot because you do like even pushing yourself out in a way. I would be worried, like a volcan. Like they were talking about a volcanic island, right? Like yeah. I'd be worried about what's under the water. Yeah. But I guess she's a local. She might know the jump spots and all of that. I do wonder actually how high it is too, or if they just use the camera angle to make because they shoot from the water and it looks in a little bit back, so it looks really high. Yeah, I don't know. Only one way to know: go to Hawaii and do it. You wouldn't do it? No. I I I don't know. I always say like, oh, I would do that, but I'm once you're there. Yeah, I'm not a heights guy. I mean, if I saw someone else do it, I think maybe that would help me because exactly that, I'd be worried about what's underneath, right? Yeah. But that water, I do often wonder, like, did they color that water or if it's just, like, in, in post? Because mm-hmm. that's the most beautiful blue water I've, like, ever seen. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah, that's all my what's up with that. Okay. Uh, let's go to category six, Freaks and Geeks, where we completely nerd out with camera angles, weird quirks about the movie, etc., etc. Uh, this is interesting because, uh, you know... Jason Siegel was in Freaks and Geeks, and this first thing I have <laughs> is about his co-star in Freaks and Geeks. This movie is based on scriptwriter Jason Siegel's experience breaking up with Linda Cardell- Cardellini. Oh, really? As well as uh, three other breakups with unspecified women. Siegel has said that the naked breakup scene did not involve did not involve Cardellini, and that she was a great girlfriend. I love her. Yeah, great actress. Great actress. Done um, tons of stuff. Yeah. Shout out for her great uh, guest run on New Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Justice's crazy <laughs> sister. Screenwriter and star Jason Siegel told New York Times interviewer Dave Itzkoff that the naked breakup and Dracula puppet musical scenes were drawn from real life experiences. Exactly. Siegel said that one girlfriend broke up with him while he was completely naked. 
Rather than being devastated, he thought to himself, this is hilarious. I cannot wait for her to leave so I can write this down. And before he was a successful actor, Siegel tried to write a musical ad- adaptation of Dracula yeah. for puppets. Nice. And the last one I have is, the role of Aldous Snow was written with Charlie Hunnam in mind. Well, there you go. Because yeah. they would have worked together on Undeclared. Yeah. So now you know why that, that ties together. That's interesting. Another British guy. And then wonder why he must have been unavailable or something. Or I, Aldous Snow is just way... I feel like that would have worked yeah. way better. Or sorry, uh, Russell Brand as Aldous Snow. Yeah, because Russell Brand is Aldous <laughs> Snow, right? Like yeah. I, you, see Aldous, you see Russell Brand now and you're like, oh, that's the same dude. Like, yeah. That, right? so, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, I just had a couple nerdy things. So if you're an old person like me who watched shows from the 80s. Mm. So the pediatrician, like the doctor he goes to, yep. uh, <laughs> yeah. to get checked for STDs. Uh, and he's like, I'm a pediatrician, Peter. <laughs> want a lollipop or whatever? It's your, yeah, he's like, fuck, do it, whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, fuck whatever you want. That's Steve Landisberg. That character, he was a cop on Barney Miller, which was like a big cop show in the, in the 70s and 80s. The hotel manager, that's Long Duck Dong. So that's Getty Watanabe, oh. and he doesn't really even have a line, but that's Long Duck Dong from Sixteen Candles, cool. jo- John Hughes fame. Uh, Carla uh, Carla Gallo is another uh, Apatow regular. She's in this scene. She's the gag me girl. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Carla Gallo has. So she was in Undeclared. She's the main character. She's like the love interest of uh, Jay Baruchel in Undeclared, mm-hmm. but she's in a ton of other. Apatow movies, but she doesn't get credited with like human names. So she's the toe sucking girl. It's literally her credit is in 40 year old virgin. Mm-hmm. She's toe sucking girl. In super bad, she is period blood girl. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And in forgetting Sarah Marshall, she's gag me girl. So she <laughs> and she those are literally her credits. If you look at IMDB. That's what she's written as, but yeah, she has all of those parts in all those three movies. Which I wow! I, every time we would sh- she would show up, Nate and I would be like, "What is the weird character <laughs> she's going to play in this movie?" And then like, I would get home and I have DB, and it was always like, like like that's literally her period blood girl. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> those are my little nerd outs. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll uh, get back to the Brad Pitt Award. All right, we're back with Category 7, the Brad Pitt Award for Best Quote. Let's just, I'll start first, and let's just go back and forth and just rip off the quotes. Okay. I feel like there's a lot to go to go off of here. Um, I've got a surprise for you. <laughs> Classic. Uh, an underrated one that I use still, which is, uh, I'd like to be my eld on some teas. <laughs> I always talk about, like, oh, I'd love a BLT to people. They're like, what are you talking about? And I just make the joke. Yeah. This place smells like stripper's perfume. I'm going to get herpes from just sitting on this couch. Uh, Peter, I'm a pediatrician, which I just had already said. Um, Ouch. Can you say dicksicle? (laughs) It's like a whole great little thing in itself, right? We were talking earlier about, like, the... Bit characters. Bit characters making a bit. The whole, like, CSI thing. Uh, I just came. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, I just came. She's, <laughs> like, so quiet. I love this line. This, this seagull line is, I'm about to say, is, like, uh, we've all said it. Or he's just like, man, I wish I wasn't wearing this fucking shirt. <laughs> uh, I'm Samantha. I had sex with everybody. <laughs> The weather outside is weather. I had that. I'll take it off my list. I had right before that. Uh, <laughs> Kenneth with off to find the mythical clitoris. <laughs> when life gives you lemons, just yeah. say fuck the lemons and bail. Yeah. Uh, Jonah Hill, uh, I'll just go fuck myself. <laughs> so mad. Oh, this is a great uh, hater line. You look like one of those guys who's suspected of killing JFK. <laughs> uh, uh, the sea turtle fucking season? Like, 
I that's a character, a person that I wish I'd seen in more stuff. I've never really seen him in anything other. The guy looks like Craig Robinson. Yeah, Dwayne the Bartender. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last one I had is, uh, I think it's him or it's the Janet. I, th- I think it's Dwayne. He comes in. He's like, are those sad tissues or happy tissues? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the big uh, Hawaiian guy. Oh the, yeah, the pig guy that helps yeah. him like that helps Peter with the pig, and he's like, are those sad? <laughs> Uh, I can see your vagina from here. <laughs> you shall not pass, obviously. Yeah. Oh, I'm Aldous Snow. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> uh, another that, great yeah. one when they're having sex and Peter like decides, he's like, my cock doesn't want to be around <laughs> you anymore. <laughs> and then the last one again is... Uh, Dwayne the bartender talking about uh, Sesame Street. Stuff from Lopagus. Fuck my shits up. <laughs> <laughs> he also has a great line when he's talking, when he's trying to, like, he's like, do you know how hard it is for a man to say no to a blowjob or whatever? Yeah. He's like fucking gone to you. Or whatever <laughs> he said. Uh, which is also great. Uh, yeah, category eight is the Blind Pig Award for the character you'd want to hang out with for one night and one night only. And then maybe you get sick of them. Maybe have a beer with them. You know. My two nominees are, well, you kind of convinced me that Dwayne, the bartender, would be cool to hang yeah. out with multiple Times, nights yeah. in a row. So I think I'm going to take him out. So I think Kuno. I think yeah. Kuno would get a little annoying after a while, <laughs> yeah. but that one night would be like super fun, super random. See, I feel like Aldous would be the guy for one night. Yeah. But not even because of him, but because of, well, I guess we get, again, we get a whole movie out of it. It's like, yeah. but where he would take you and who else you would meet, right? So right. it's like... I never want to see this human being again, but for this one night, I'm going to do the most deprived, weird shit. I'm just going to go along. I'm just going to say, you know, the old... Say yes to everything. Yeah, it's the old... Uh, what's It's the old uh, improv. Just say yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to improv this whole night and just and go for yes. But I hadn't thought about just sitting at the bar. I mean, there's a whole... I have, like, this weird nostalgia for, like... Old like people, older men, who used to just go to the bar every day and just sit and become friends with their bartender. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of sad and depressing, but, but it's also... But like the would be more fun than one night, though. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I grew up watching Cheers, and it was like, oh, <laughs> you walk in, Norm! <laughs> but yeah, I think Kuno, for me, would be... He'd be great for one night. But yeah, or Aldous. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Aldous. Yeah. I think I would go Aldous for me, yeah. All right. Category 9 is the Al Pacino Award for overacting! Um, I got two nominees. I got Russell Brand yeah. and Jack McBear. Jack McBear's a little much for me. Oh, so. I love Jack McBear. So he can do anything. Like yeah. Again, he always plays the same character. Yeah. He's like Kenneth. He's like whatever, right? He's like the, the awkward, cringy. Awkward, cringe guy. Like that's yeah. his shtick. His but me, it's Billy Baldwin. But then, of course, it's intentional, right? Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's so good with the glasses. I think Russell Brand is uh, intentional as well. As yeah. So. Yeah, he's meant to be pretty. Yeah, outlandish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, category 10 is a McLovin Award. For the actor or actress who never misses in limited screen time, give or take 15 minutes. Here are my four nominees. Billy Baldwin. Yep. Paul Rudd. Yep. Jonah Hill. Yep. And Bill Hader. Yep. So and we've said this already. One of the great things about this movie is it's got such a great supporting cast. So I had Hader, Jonah Hill, Dwayne, uh, Jack McBrayer, uh, and Paul Rudd, and then Chemo. Chemo, yeah. 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 I love, are you crying? <laughs> like when they go to kill the pig or whatever, and he's like, he just slaps Peter or whatever. Uh, like, so out of those, who's your favorite in like that? In who's your uh, winner for this award? Probably Paul Rudd because that's the the lines I still use to this day. Always yeah. have to do with like if you know, you know what time is it? Oh, I don't have a watch or whatever, <laughs> or like the the lemons save yeah. you know, bail or whatever. So it's probably that. Probably Rudd and Hater, I think, are yeah. probably the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, category 11 is the Brooks Hatlin Award for how much jail time you would give for someone who has not seen this movie. I'm going to give you the floor. So like I said, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, but I don't think I would be very harsh on someone who hasn't seen this. Like I think I would be a little understanding. I do think it's something that I, th- I find it hard to believe that male, female, young, old... Uh, as long as you're okay with a little bit of filthiness and mm-hmm. some swearing, you're going to enjoy this movie because it's a comedy, it's a romance, it's drama, it's kind of got everything. It's not going to be like if you watch Super Bad or fucking yeah. Pineapple Express and you just have to be a young kid who knows about drugs or whatever, right? Yeah. So um, I would say 
don't know. I'd give you a, a light slap on the wrist. I'd give you like a week of community service. Okay. And then one night in the tank, just uh, just to smarten you up. Just a, just a little bit of a yeah, like exactly. So and my- maybe force feed you some cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is a little more harsh. Than yeah. For me, it's so we always talk about like it's a discretion thing. So I think this this doesn't. Uh, the sentence doesn't come in until I think you're about 15. Yeah. Like, if you're under 15 and you oh, haven't yeah. seen this movie, I'm not going to yeah, be like, yo, go to sure. jail. But as soon as you hit 15 yeah. and you haven't seen this movie, yeah. 10 years in the slammer. Yeah. 10 years? 10 years. Yeah. Well, I think, you're, I think you make a fair point that any child or any parent, so if you're a parent, you have a, resp- a moral responsibility to indoctrinate your child with good culture. Right. But also, if your parents aren't doing it for you, if once you reach 15 or 16 and you have your own shit, especially now with streaming and everyone having their own phones and their Social computer, media. computers and stuff, to watch this movie as part of that run, like the, that run that we talked to earlier, like you've got 20 good to classic comedies probably within that period that you should be watching to educate yourself in. Yeah. And I do agree that this is one of them. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years and then see how you've, yeah. Yeah. See if you've, uh, changed your mind when you get out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, it's also, um, it's aged well, like we talked about this and it's, it's, it's an easy watch and it's, it's a good story. It's not just, yeah. And you don't feel like, I know guilty for watching it or something yeah it's like a universal movie about heartbreak i think all of us can watch this movie beside the gags and the dick jokes and all of that Mm -hmm. all of us can watch this movie and you know at a certain age especially if you're a teenager or young and you've just come in you can watch this movie and be like yeah man i get it i get it that guy's me that girl's me or whatever right like i've been there before yeah um so yeah uh category 12 is scenes you wish you saw so I said it earlier, I so want to see the opera, like to get like more of that movie. Like I would love mm-hmm. to see more of the, like I wish there was like in like the director's cut or like there were bonus scenes where they shot more of it and yeah. you actually got to see it. Uh, Mine was like Aldous Snow writing inside of you. That like him like coming yes. up with the song and like really funny, <laughs> really funny. He's like doing it. And he's like ah, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if this is really. You know, I'm kind of serious. Like, yes. I don't know if this is my vibe. And then what's the one he writes for Get Under the Greek where everybody hates it? The album where he's basically like yeah, yeah I don't know. right. Like I it's, it, don't think I've ever seen Get Under the Greek. Uh, I've once. seen it once. It's good for some of it, but it's not. It doesn't. It's not like this. Yeah. There's a couple really good funny scenes, but his pretension carries on to such a point where like. People start to hate him because um, he's writing these just ridiculous. It's, it's more songs like that. Where yeah. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, whereas in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, everyone loves that song, right? Yeah. So, um, category thirteen is the elevator pitch, where we pitch each other a prequel or a sequel to the movie. Well, we've got a sequel, uh, which is weird because Brand carries on, but Jonah Hill's character is completely different. It's mm-hmm. not the same guy. Uh, what else would I like to see? I got one. I okay, got sure. Let's hear it. I think so. Siegel and Kunis stay together. Yeah, right. They're all they're good. Yeah. Hater and his wife break up. Oh. So Siegel takes him to Cabo for a boys trip. Oh. But and he brings he, all those by his new buddies along. Yeah. But oh. Siegel is you know he's in a relationship. And he's yeah. trying to help Hater and, yeah. and like the whole kind of reverses. Reverse. Where, yeah. You know, Hater probably has a scene where he's like. I hate her. I hate Rachel. Yeah. And like... Well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think he would be... He'd be a little... Yeah. No, I, I would do that. Yeah. I thought you were going to say a Kahoot. I thought you were going to say a buddy movie with the two of them. <laughs> a buddy cop movie. <laughs> but... Or just like a... I don't know, something on the island where the two of them just... Or like he brings him to LA to be like his spiritual advisor and meet people. and Or like he just brings him to come hang out with him. And all yeah. of a sudden people start thinking that like... Paul Rudd's like a genius and like yeah. he's got a new thing or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, those would be both. I'd, I'd watch that. Okay, category 14 is would you watch this as a Broadway musical? It's kind of weird because it has a musical in it. What do you think? 
Yes, I would because I feel like forgetting Sarah Marshall could easily transition to a stage. That's true, and also if he's writing, he could write songs. Like that's yeah. the other thing we do know is that that he likes musical theater. He likes doing like he wrote the Muppets, which has lots of songs. He wrote songs for this. You do feel like you could get a quality something out of him. I feel like right? he could make the music. It's like a musical within a musical. Yeah. Where. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I don't know. Whoa, and then you can tie it back out to this is actually the music. Oh, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's like there's no like car chase scenes. Like it's it's pretty, you can set, you know, scene change, we're now somewhere else. Yeah. Whatever. Pretty easy. Phone call stuff, pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, you're you're either in LA or you're in Hawaii and nothing else, right? Nothing else, yeah. Um, Category 15 is the Schindler's List to Superbad Rewatchability Scale. With uh, Schindler's List being one out of ten, great movie, never gonna see it again. Super yeah. bad, ten out of ten, rewatchable. I go ten out of ten. I can rewatch this movie all the time and not get sick of it. There's always something, always for me, a little nugget in there, another little joke, yeah. a little turn of phrase, like a, the tone. Like there's all those things that I just, for me, am just I I love it. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's like probably an eight or a nine. Yeah, I think I have a couple more of those in that comedy that we talked about at the top. A couple more that I would go to first. Yeah. It's not really to say this is a knock on the movie, yeah. but it's more, yeah, it's probably like an eight and a half for yeah. me. It's funny because if I look through that list. It's short too. A lot of Apatow is really long. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that I like. Uh, the closing remarks, one of the things is the length is perfect. Mm-hmm. It's an hour 51. God bless an Apatow movie that's under two yeah. hours. And exact. I mean, he didn't direct it, which is also part of it, right? He yeah. produced it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. All right, let's go to the last category. Category 16 is the MVP of the movie, whether that be an actor, an actress, director, screenplay writer, cinematography, whatever. Here are my three nominees. Jason Segel. Yeah. Russell Brand. Yeah. And Mila Kunis. I had Kunis down. I feel like it's obviously Segel. Yeah. You know, he wrote it. Yeah. He's the star in it. Yeah. I feel like it's not that really the contest, but I do feel the other two have like a... You know, deserve to be nominated, like in all sports, you have the three Yeah, well, I mean, Brand is a breakout star from that, right? No one here knows who the hell Russell Brand is, or very few people do, and all of a sudden, he's everywhere, right? Like, that's like a... And it's the kind of performance, like, if that wasn't a... If he played that same... Not the same character, but if he made such an an impact in a a a dramatic movie like that, he's Mm -hmm. getting the best supporting actor, right? But because it's a comedy, he doesn't even get nominated. Right. Because he's a real scene stealer. Mm -hmm. It's charming. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, I I say Kunis because, like I said earlier, everything happens very quickly, and you have to believe that Peter could fall for her. But and, And like you said, she's so dateable. Her character is... You do. You do think like, oh, I could fall for this girl in a week, like very smitten. Yeah. I see her maybe, probably sees her what? Well, he probably sees her a little bit every day, but the dating probably is like the last three or four days yeah. before he leaves, right? Where he spends a lot of time with her. Um, so I, I I really liked her in this movie. So you think she's the MVP of the movie? Yeah. Or Siegel? Well, I think he you're wrote right. The movie. I know. I think you're saying that's right, but I just didn't want to go with an obvious choice, right? So mm-hmm. I just took someone a little bit different. So are you gonna say? And I was also see. I was already a big Siegel fan, so that was the other thing, right? Mm-hmm. So she raised my expectation. Like when I came in, I was like, I don't want to see Mila Kunis. Like I never yeah. really liked the '70s show. Mm-hmm. She always her voice was always you know she played that real, and it's like she oh this is Meg a Griffin. totally different person, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that might be part of it too, is the expectation versus reality. Like I was like, ugh. for me, so my thing about Siegel is like, I'm going to tie this to, I don't know, it's weird. I'm going to tie this to McDavid. Okay. Yeah. So McDavid is the best player in the league every single year. He yeah. gets 150 points every year. Yeah. But Austin Matthews last year had like 45 goals yeah. and they're like, we're going to give him the MVP because this is something different. Like, why not just give it to the best guy? Yeah, it's year? like Judge and Otani, right? Yeah. Like, Otani should win every single year. Trout ever, there for a bit was like... Ever, right? Yeah. Um, I get your point and I, but I, I 100% agree and, and I was just, I was fishing for something else, right? Mm-hmm. But with this question, every time we've done it, to me, it's always been like, well, it's usually the main actor, Right, I know you haven't thought that way. Like you thought it's been director or whatever. For for me, like for me, I'm like, well, of course it's Matthew Broderick's the MVP. So yeah. Yeah. it's so obvious a choice, right? 
But it's also like he's not like Broderick. I mean, it's a little bit of a different movie because you really it's that one's even more just focused on Ferris, right? But yeah. he stays in the pocket too, right? Like if Siegel? you think about Siegel, he's yeah. not out in front of everybody and pulling them along. Like it's a and that's again what you're talking about the credit of like an ensemble cast and a really good script that feeds them good material, right? Because a lot of guys writing a script a movie for yourself, you're gonna give yourself all the best shit. Yeah. Right? And like, oh, you know, so I guess I'm kind of, I'm agreeing with you in making a case because in the script writing alone, you know, like it's a, it's a very generous movie in terms of what he gives to other people and doesn't just be like, hey, I'm like Peter, I'm in front of everybody. The thing is that if he hadn't written it, I feel like I'd be more uh, open to the fact, but, yeah. case, but he did kind of both. Yeah. So yeah. Fine. It's me. Right All right. Got anything else you want to, want to mention before we close it up? Uh, I don't think so. No. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. No and problem. We'll see you in a couple weeks for another movie we're going to do together. Right on. Um, I'm going to leave you guys with the quote for next week's pod. So in my season of 10 episodes, I got seven with my usuals. I got two with my dad. And then I got one solo pod. Here's the quote for the solo pod. In my opinion, if you don't know this quote and you don't know the movie, then uh, I, I don't know. That's pretty... You have... You would know the quote even without seeing the movie. That's what I'm saying. Is it Planet of the Apes? No. Here Is... we go. Wilson! Well, that's Citizen Kane. <laughs> oh, sorry. And uh, we'll see you next week. Okay, <laughs> peace out. <laughs>